Hello out there. I'm Whitney. And I'm Will. And you're listening to Yelling About Superheroes. This is episode one, Captain America, in which we talk about the long and often fraught history of the star-spangled man with a plan. Hello, dear listeners. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Welcome to episode 001 of Yelling About Superheroes. You know the title? That means you know what we do. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yep. Um, we are your co-hosts, Will and Whitney. I'm Will. I'm Whitney. Yeah. Also um, pretty self-explanatory, I feel like. Look, we have <laughs> we have a wide audience. We'll have a wide audience eventually. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. But we can worry about that later when we're not actually like recording. So, yeah. Um, before we get started, I feel like maybe we just do a quick intro. Like yeah, who definitely. we are, what we're doing with the pop, what we're trying to do with the podcast thing here. Yeah, why we're even attempting a podcast in the first place, stuff like that. Because we were talking about Thor Ragnarok and decided yes. to have awesome conversations. Yeah, literally. So the idea of our uh, podcast here is we're talking about superheroes and superhero-related stuff. Um, you know, that's going to cover comic books, movies, TV shows. We're less interested, I think, in doing like up-to-the-minute news and stuff. Um, yeah, or like because, focusing on you know, a single. A single like company or character or stuff like that like I looked up other podcasts and like I'm more interested in coming at it from like a media studies perspective because that's what my grad degree is in and I kind of did a lot of work on superheroes for my like master's dissertation and stuff so yeah no so I got my uh, master's degree from McMaster University uh, this past fall in communication and new media and I focused um on my, in my dissertation work on a couple like fairly disparate areas that I knit together in particular and one of them was um superhero academia so and I've done a couple no just one conference paper at this point on um like specifically Captain America and uh and cultural memory and stuff like that. basically I'm like insanely interested from like a like very academic focused media studies perspective so I'll be the one bringing in all like the theorists and stuff and being just a giant nerd whereas will knows way more about the comics than i do um because he's actually read some comics so yeah that's basically covers it yeah you know um whitney has a master's degree in communications and stuff and has written papers about this sort of thing and i have a marvel unlimited marvel unlimited subscription (laughs) yeah which is quite useful and has been quite useful already that summarizes our qualifications (laughs) Yeah, so today, um, we both literally cannot shut up about Captain America once you get us talking about it. Like, I actually talked my co-worker's ear off about it, um, just, I think, yesterday. Sorry, Sarah, if you're listening. Um, Sarah, we hope that ear gets reattached. Uh, They can do amazing things with medicine these days. (laughs) So, yeah, no, that's what we're going to be talking about today, because there's, like, a lot to talk about with a character whose history is as long as this. Um, Yeah. So we were discussing, like, what to focus on with, like, this episode. Because obviously, since he has such an enormous history, there are so many attacks you could take when talking about a character's longstanding as this. But um, full disclosure, this is something, like, I'm really interested in. How um, Captain America in particular um, sort of is sort of a vehicle for and um, subject to some of the failings of and also kind of a challenger of at, at times um sort of popular conceptions of um american like cultural memory like it's a it's a particular subfield within um 
history, media studies and stuff. It's like, you know, what societies remember, like what gets remembered, how, and, um, this is who gets, cultural memory. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Who, who decides what gets remembered? That's the, basically like, that's the field in a nutshell. So, and like, we were talking about this and it's like the way Captain America kind of represents the like cultural attitudes and ideals of the nation and different yeah. ways throughout history and yeah exactly and how those ideals conflict with the various realities at you know various points in history um mm-hmm. but we can talk more about that in a bit so yeah we're like i'm particularly interested in that and we've sort of um in sort of talking about this we've sort of stumbled on questions of like how does how does war play into things how does like when does he clash with the government when does he when is he the government um there are really interesting questions of like vigilante violence versus like state-sponsored violence see that yeah this is very much setting the tone for like what we're going to talk about in the entire podcast these sorts of like she's got real into yeah. this yeah, yeah. before yeah. before we get too too into it should we just like i mean i think most people listening know who captain america is but Maybe we cover like the very like basic things just to. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, probably... both like I think both like the Captain America's origin, like in the comics as a character, but also like his origin, like probably more relevant to the podcast in this case, like his creation by yeah, his, yeah, by the definitely. And so yeah, so if you're like if you're like me and primarily a Marvel fan because of the movies, um, then you probably. No, Captain America primarily is Chris Beefcake Evans. I can't believe I just said that while we're recording, but it's fine. Um, so, and yeah, but Captain America, the character actually has a much longer history than that. Um, Steve he, Rogers, mm-hmm. young man from Brooklyn yep. of the 1940s at the relevant point we care about. Yeah, no, um, so yeah, he was... Frail and sorry, sickly, yet he loved his country, uh. or at least wanted to defend it. Depends on your interpretation a little bit, honestly. Yeah, but. and actually the um, MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe version, is very much different from that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really different rationale, which is really interesting, and something we can get into in a little more detail later. But in the comics, um, so he was created by... Uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, um, both Jewish artists. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember reading like a lot of the people who worked at like comics publishers in that era were Jewish. Like Martin Goodman, who was the um, at at the time the head of Timely Comics, which would become Marvel. He was also Jewish, and Stan Lee as well. Um, Um, Yeah, Jack Kirby basically created visually like got half the original Marvel universe or something. But moving along, yes, but yeah, no, so. Basically, I seem to remember reading somewhere that Jack Kirby quite literally used um, Nazi killing stories as cocktail party anecdotes. Like that was that those were, you know, moments he literally talked about later in his life as like badges of honor. So like, yeah, it, it shouldn't surprise you then that in like, you know, late 1940, he was really raring to fight, you know, Adolf Hitler in some way or another. You know, in 1940, the U.S. had not actually entered World War II yet, but Hitler had still like conquered like pretty much all of Europe, I think. Yeah, um, and, like, there was actually a not insignificant subset of Americans who were more or less fine with the Yeah, Nazi, Nazi sympathizers, absolutely. The German-American Bund is what they were called. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, Martin Goodman had actually, in as early as, like, 1939, resolved to, like, use his platform as Timely's 
chief publisher to like you know help fight fascism and stuff and <laughs> enter jack kirby absolutely raring to probably punch adolf hitler himself but he had to make do with creating a character to punch hitler so he um he and joe simon pretty much created captain america for that purpose and it's funny martin goodman's only objection w- to it was that he was afraid Hitler... This objection to specifically the cover of the very first Cap issue, mm-hmm. which rather prominently shows a rather famous image, you've probably seen it, Captain America just straight up punching Adolf just Hitler in the face. sucker punching him, is, it's great. Um, but yeah, no, so Martin Goodman's one objection to that was that he was afraid uh, Hitler would literally be killed before the comic could go to press. So he was like... We should all be so optimistic. Just seriously. He was basically like, okay, you can do it, but you have to hurry. So yeah, no, thus, you know, Captain America, um, skinny little kid turned um, bulked up super soldier, was quite literally born punching Nazis. Yep. So do you want to just like start with like talking about the interesting things about Golden Age Cap that aren't really super talked That a lot of these things like did not find their way to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so... I feel like yeah. Chris Evans a basically lot of, overshadowed a lot of A lot of golden and silver age comic stuff that did not make it to the movies. And a yeah. lot of it with very good reason. Yeah, no, there was some uh, really uh, not cool stuff in some of it. Um, so, okay. So this is you a You probably bit know of, more about this part of it than I do, honestly. Probably. First, earliest um, comics I actually read for this were like the 70s. Yeah, well, fair. We, we'll, we can talk about like Secret Empire when we eventually get to... Not, not the uh, more recent Secret Empire. We'll probably actually, talk about both Secret Empires in some degree. Yeah, yeah. But like I really want to like touch on 1970s Secret Empire in particular. Um, sure, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, so, okay. A funny thing about... Um, so comics publishers actually had to devise various like plot reasons um as to why their heroes weren't actually fighting in world war ii because you know like somebody like superman would he was so powerful that he could he could end the war on his own like his own two hands and that's it so um yeah all these all these comics writers have to come up with like reasons why their heroes weren't actually you know on the on the front lines like fighting the axis um so i think dc um came up with some sort of like vaguely supernatural like defense system thing um i don't remember for sure but captain america comics actually had a um really interesting focus during the world war ii era um they focused like captain america focused on um finding and rooting out nazis and nazi sympathizers on the home front like in america there was this there was a lot of paranoia in these early comics. I believe the um, Nazi contingent in um, America was called the Fifth Column. I believe that's what it was called. But yeah, it was very much um, sort of focused on like rooting out what was perceived as the enemy within. There was actually a sort of club. Um, you know how like in the backs of comic books, they'd be like, you know, send in your um, self-edition stamped envelope and fill out this form and you'll... Join the super exclusive like comics club or whatever. Yeah, there was Ray goggles. Yeah, something like that. There was one of those in um, these Golden Age Cap comics. The extra like, goggles do not work. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, yeah, no, dedicated to like I guess you know teaching these little kids to. Um, there so was immediately, definitely bent to it. I mean, yeah. Spy on your neighbors, Jimmy. You already see um, Captain America as a character having some sort of influence on American cultural memory in the sense of like, oh, you know, these people over there don't really count as American because they're 
their ideals don't match ours or whatever. So yeah, there's already that like question being raised of like what exactly constitutes Americanness, which is really, really interesting. Um, and so Captain America lost a lot of popularity after World War II because, um, you know, Hitler was dead. There wasn't really much of a need for an ultra patriotic wartime hero anymore. But he was briefly revived in the 1950s um, and rebranded as, not kidding, Captain America, commie smasher. So, <laughs> like, yeah, he got, you know, turned into a tool of McCarthyism. Um, interestingly enough, um, he only lasted three issues before the, you know, resounding disappointment from the audience, like, basically forced. I don't remember if it was timely or Marvel. I think it was still timely back then. Yeah, um, I believe it was. They forced to uh, put that particular uh, Captain America in stasis. <laughs> Quite literally, as it turned out. Um, yeah, but that yeah, became no. interesting. But, but yeah, no, so like what McCarthyism was in essence about was like, again, deciding like, you know, who gets to be American on the basis of ideals. And I would say it was a, it's a slightly different like set of people deciding like who gets to be American. Like I would say there's a difference between Jack Kirby saying, oh, like Nazis aren't Americans because like, they don't, their ideals are literally the exact opposite of, you know, like freedom and liberty or whatever. And, you know, Joseph McCarthy being like, oh, these, you know, pinkos or whatever are... Oh, these communists in Hollywood, I say. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a difference between, like, who is getting to make those decisions of um, who, you know, counts as American or not. But I would... I definitely see a parallel um, between the sort of fifth column paranoia of 1940s cap and... The, you know, commie smasher paranoia of 1950s cap. I think... Yeah, I mean, in both cases, it's like they're taking Captain America and kind of pointing him at what was popularly perceived to be the America's enemies at the time. Yeah, but yeah, like, definitely. I mean, in retrospect, it's very easy to look back and be like, okay, the Nazis were actually, like, terrible enemies that we should Yeah, and also by the same token, oh, McCarthyism was ridiculous, which, I mean... I, I guess you see already that um, Captain America isn't always like the you know the I feel like the common sort of characterization of him the moral center committed to America's ideals or whatever but it's not quite so simple as that mainly because you know he is literally a fictional character and depending on whose hands he's in who's writing him what ideals like they have and things like that then mm -hmm. that that really affects his characterization and like by extension sort of like reflects um sort of popular conceptions of nationhood and things like yeah. that i mean like every every character with the history this long like is the same it's the same thing i think in a lot of ways with like superman and batman being mm -hmm. so very different but it's particularly interesting with how captain america like is written to in some ways reflect american ideals and also written to try to get America to reflect some of his ideals, you could say. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree with that, like, sort of core point you're making. I think that, but I think that also becomes truer later because there's a weird, like, slow retcon of um, Cap's actually quite violent Golden Age history. It's um, actually, you know, it's kind of funny because I was, I actually, like, just thought of this a little while ago. Like, if you read a modern story that includes, like, flashbacks to Captain America's time in the 40s, huh. or, like, a story that's just about Captain America during World War II, and this is, like, modern comics or, like, the first Avenger in the movie, all of those stories are 
like Captain America's in Europe on the front lines fighting in World War II, as opposed to this like the actual '40s comics where he's apparently like defending the home front from spies and stuff. That's so interesting. And that might even be. I mean, you know, obviously they didn't show him in the front lines at the time because it was an active war, and it'd be like, yeah, and exactly. The whole thing with that, yeah, and admittedly, like Captain America is not quite as powerful as Superman, so like he would have had to work a little bit harder if he wanted to end World War Two with his bare hands. But yeah, like, especially the same principle still applies, I think. Yeah, especially because like in most of these flashbacks, he's fighting like other like super power level things, like evil. Nazis with super strength, or yeah, or in the MCU, there's Hydra, which is um, yeah, that's that's a whole nother thing. We're probably gonna have like a whole issue on or episode. Sorry, wow, why did I say issue? I guess I must have comics on the brain. You got issues. No, another little fun, I guess, fun quote unquote tidbit is like the for all you know, Jack Kirby wanted to draw Captain America punching Hitler, and I mean he got to do that. That is a very famous piece of you know, cultural history now, but that never actually appeared in the comics. Like that was never actually a plot line in the comics. Mm-hmm. It was literally, you know, just for the aesthetic, just so Jack Kirby could say, you know, like, and I can believe this out, like, fuck you Nazis or whatever. And it's funny, like Simon and Kirby actually got death threats from, I believe the German American Bund um, for, you know, publishing this exact comic. They had to have like police escorts or something like that. Damn. Um, yeah, no, it was super intense. Yeah. And it's like, they don't even have Cap, like, confronting Hitler in any modern stories either. Even in the movies, like, the punching Hitler thing was just a publicity gag. Yeah. Slash, which, like, part yeah, of that's... their little shows and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, like, the um, sort of propaganda tour in First Avenger is really a whole, like, another subject that we we'll, might touch on it later. We'll see. This, um, we can touch on it now. Like, you know, we're talking about Cap in the 40s. Yeah, I, I was going to, like... Because, like, I, we, were, we were sort of talking about the, um, again, slow retconning of um, Cap's, like, violent history and stuff yeah, like that. And, yeah. like, I want right, to... let's take this chronologically, then. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that would make the most sense, I feel like. Because we're yeah. looking at it as, like, I guess, long-term character development. Yes, let's um, do that. Yeah, no, and, like, the I guess the main point I want to make here is that... Um, yeah, Golden Age Cap was really, really violent. Like, he killed a ton of people. Um, it's been a while since I read this book. It's a really great book if any of you listeners are interested in reading it. It's called Captain America, Masculinity and Violence, The Evolution of a National Icon. It's by J. Richard Stevens. It's really good. I read the whole thing. But, like, basically, Golden Age Cap took great pleasure oftentimes in maiming and killing and taunting his, you know... Um, Axis enemies, and, and not even necessarily in that order either. Um, like it, it got messy. It got really messy. Um, dang. Yeah. No. It was. It was kind of shocking, actually. I haven't actually read any of this, but dang. Again, to yeah. see you know exactly what Marvel has sort of retconned away. I I feel like that probably started when they revived the character almost. Um, to an extent, yeah, because like the retcons basically start when you get to the like. At this point, iconic, like, a revival of Captain America. Yeah, definitely. Um, Back, and this is, like, you know, in the comics in, I, it would have been the 60s, right? Yeah, it was that the 60s. Um, oh, and the fun fact. Avengers um, pulled him out of ice in wherever it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember for sure. Yeah, I know that wasn't even, like, part of any sort of, I don't know, long-term editorial plan on Marvel's part. Like, he had been... For all intents and purposes, like dead since Commie Smasher failed in the fifties. But Stan, funny, Stanley actually sort of used fan letters as a way to gauge um, whether people wanted Captain America back because he um, 
sort of tentatively reintroduce the character, and I believe it would have been a Spider-Man comic or something like that in the mid-60s, and that character was revealed to be an imposter, but he, like, used... He gauged, like, fan letter reactions to see if people wanted to bring bring Cap back, and that oh, they did. Really so Yeah, no, it's, it's super, super interesting. Fan letters, in and of themselves, are a whole really interesting, like, subset of, like, comics history. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we've sort of arrived at his revival so we can um yeah, that is start to talk about that so you know, originally in the 60s you know if you look at modern comics it would have to be in like the late 90s early 2000s even just because timelines are weird in comics yeah, um, totally. but yeah so like you know it's it was an early issue of the avengers oh really um definitely not the first one mm-hmm. i i'm going on by memory here but i'm that's fine. Fairly certain. Like, they basically brought... They almost, like, brought him back specifically to give the Avengers a leader. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure if that was the motivation behind bringing him back, but that was kind of the result of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, they bring back Captain America. He becomes a sort of leadership figure of the Avengers. I don't know if... I don't know what the history is of him being, like, on and off the actual official leader versus just being a member of it with good leadership skills and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because there would be a lot of history to sift through on that point so yeah and then he's for a while he's just a you know going around doing captain america things like this was 60s and 70s at the time so a lot of their enemies are probably still like communists and related stuff i don't think so i think it must have been primarily you know like Small-time supervillains or whatever. Yeah, like I, I the parts... Okay, I can't remember when the Red Skull was resurrected because, like, the, the Red, Red Skull was um, one of his earlier enemies from the Golden Age, right? And like, he got brought back at some point. I just don't remember yeah. when that was. The ones that I've, the ones that I've read through the seventies had the Red Skull coming back um, at a few points. Like, it's basically established that the Red Skull at that point is in his whole thing. He's around. He's been defeated. He's disappearing in some shaking his fist and cursing thing. <laughs> Yeah, at least by the seventies, like the Red Skull was back, and but yeah, like yeah, at so least he the issues sure. of those that I read, like most of them are much more generic, like supervillain plots or like yeah, I don't know, like Viper, say... aka okay. Madame Hydra, was mm-hmm. a like basically like a nihilist anarchist, not anarchist, but like just a nihilist who wanted to like I don't even know if she really had a consistent goal at that point. <laughs> Um, but she w- certainly wasn't like a fascist Nazi Hydra wannabe person at that time. Yeah, so like, how did she get the name Madame Hydra originally? I'm curious now. By being a leader of Hydra. But she sort of like split from them at some point. It was like... Yeah, she's been okay. on and off like with Hydra and just going solo under the name of Viper. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. But yeah, no, so that's interesting. But I think there was one exception to Cap um, not necessarily fighting like real world foes because I do remember reading about this. There was this whole big debate about whether to send him to Vietnam because that would have been the early 70s, right? When the Vietnam War was going on. Like, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm not here for comics history, not real history. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, so. Cap ended up briefly going to Vietnam and giving the Viet Cong some sort of like verbal dressing down or whatever, but the fans did not actually react. Thanks, comics code. <laughs> yeah, so seriously. Yeah, that'd be really, you know, that's something we haven't really considered at all, like how the comics code would have um, sort of maybe impacted the sorts of enemies oh, yeah. he could fight necessarily. Because I, mean, I mean, that's like the origin of straight up like most modern heroes whole thing about not killing people is just the comics code okay that's interesting that's something i hadn't thought of before did you but not that know makes that? 
Like, I That's the whole thing with, like, Batman and Superman. Like, Batman was shooting people left and right before the comics code came in. Huh. That's interesting. I don't know as much about the comics code as I feel like I probably should. That's really interesting. I'll have to read about that, but... Um, You'll have to read about everything. That's true. I mean, I probably will read about everything anyway, because I'm me. But yeah, no, so again, again with the fans, like, not reacting super well to a plot twist like fans kind of like you know dug in their heels about that and like comics fans like dig in their heels about everything that's probably that's probably true but yeah no like i still think it's like notable that yeah like they they were not in favor that was so significant yeah so like there's which makes sense for yeah it's but it's it's interesting there's like a popular yeah no there's like almost a pattern here okay it's more of like a set of commonalities between Commie Smasher Cap and um, early 1970s face down for the Viet Cong Cap. Because, um, you know, audience like reaction was what tanked Commie Smasher Cap, right? So like it's, it's this weird parallel where people don't react well when Cap is sort of co-opted into, you know, state sanctioned violence in some way or another. Hmm. Um like, they, yeah. they don't necessarily like it when he sides more explicitly, more officially with the U.S. government. Which he really, like, in modern stories, he very rarely does that on anything controversial. In, wait, in one sense. In just, like, in, in, like, modern comics when the U.S. government is doing something in Cap. I'm mostly thinking of stuff like the Restoration Act that happens, like, in the context of the stories, I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, because that was very famously like a whole thing oh. that he was going against. Yeah, it was, okay, so you're saying that he doesn't ever really, you know, side with the government on things like that anymore. I feel like Cap goes against the government more, way more often than not these days, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. So that's like, that's a really interesting pattern. Um, yeah. Yeah, and sort of maybe the roots of his um, sort of characterization as, you know, sort of, you know, bastion of American ideals, moral goodness or whatever comes from that in a yeah. sense and i think like we now we're kind of coming back to a few of the issues i read um so like i was talking about the 1970s um mm-hmm. and you already mentioned uh commie smasher cap as he was known at he's been known at some points for all three issues in the 1950s yeah yeah but so like what happened in the 70s and you might have heard of this before is like there's a several issue long plot line where there comes out a second Captain America or at least a person who looks like him and can match his powers and stuff mm-hmm. and Sam Wilson and stuff and Steve Rogers figure out that this is the fake not fake at the time but like this is the person who was Captain America in the 50s who was going all like commie smasher and stuff in this like in this uh stories from from the 70s this was with mm-hmm. who was the writer on this I don't remember Oh, gosh. It wouldn't have been Englehart, would it? No, this was... Englehart was the first Secret Empire, too, right? Yeah, but it would have been yeah, around the same, same time. It's so. the same writer, yeah. Oh, so it would have been Englehart, It's a... Uh, yeah. They were the same series, like, one... The Secret oh, Empire stuff followed a little bit after this stuff. I gotcha, I gotcha. Okay, I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, um, but, like I was saying, like, this fake Captain America, who um, also had Bucky Barnes with him, Bucky at the time, Steve had figured him died during World War II. They figure out that this was, this Cap and this Bucky were the fake people who spo- who were Captain America during the 50s, who were fighting communists and stuff, and it reveals that these people actually went crazy 
during that time and became paranoid finding communists everywhere. Left, right, and center. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically like what even happened in America at the time with people going all like wild accusation of communism left and right. Yeah, yeah, like the Hollywood and 10 then, or whatever that blacklist name was, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and then he basically, like, Mocap, like, stops this guy and, like, beats up him and Bucky and stuff. Uh, but it ends up being, like, this whole interesting thing because, on the one hand, it's sort of showing, like, no, this anti-communist paranoia that happened in the 50s was, it's almost saying, like, no, that's not what America is, or it's saying, like, that's not what America should be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, Captain America himself questions, like, because, like, it's the insanity thing that the fake Cap suffered was shown to be, like, a result of possibly the serum that they used on him. Oh, gosh. And Cap- and Main Cap is, like, Main Cap like, kind of acknowledges that they had so much similar ideals originally going into it. Mm-hmm. And he, he got, and Steve Rogers kind of acknowledges, like, that could very easily have been me becoming, like, crazy and paranoid against imagined anti-American enemies. Yeah, gosh, it's really interesting. And so it's almost like, in part, it's almost like divorcing Amer- Captain America and American ideals from that whole communist paranoia type thing. Kind of explicitly, too, at that. But at the same time, it's also like kind of acknowledging that is something that could happen to America under yeah, the Yeah, like ideals can, can be and often are corrupted. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, like, I know I told you about um, the Jason Dittmer article. He writes a lot of stuff about Captain America. I kind of, like, idolize him minorly. Um, But um, he has a really interesting interpretation of that sort of, like, fight between 1970s, you know, quote-unquote actual Cap versus Commie Smasher, whereas that's it's kind of, like, sort of a microcosm fight over, like, you know, what constitutes American ideals. And I would say, by extent, you know, American cultural memory, like... Was oh, Commie yeah. Smasher, like, truly American or whatever? And he says, um, if I'm remembering his argument correctly, that, like, the, you know, 1970 Cap's, like, symbolic victory over Commie Smasher sort of, like, excises that part of Cap's history from, like, you know, Americanness in a sense. And, like, casting it as fake as well. Kind of, kind of, yeah. kind of but I think what you said about the um, 70s Cap's acknowledgement that, you know, he could have gone down that same path... I think that's really interesting. I think that complicates the argument in a really interesting way. Yeah, it makes it a little less like, oh no, that's not our cap. That's fake yeah, cap. Because, and a little more like, yeah, because honestly, like, that's not our cap. And and we have we, to be careful so that like doesn't become this cap. Yeah, yeah it's almost yeah, like no, exactly. taking a certain degree of responsibility for it. Yeah, which I was worrying because like before we hadn't like none of neither of us had actually read that particular I guess boss battle or whatever. Um, but Lost bef- battle. <laughs> Sorry. I- no, that's great. That's great. Go okay. On. Go on. Okay, cool. Um, but I was kind of worried that that um, would have involved, again, a shocking of responsibility for um, whatever, you know, like, less than savory things that um, Comic Smasher Cap got up to. Because, you know, Joseph McCarthy was a U.S. senator. Like, this is stuff Americans did. Like, this is absolutely part of our history. So I was afraid that um, Mm -hmm. that sort of boss battle would involve... I said it again, boss battle. Would involve, like, shirking responsibility for that. But that doesn't really seem to be the case, which I'm really glad to hear. Yeah, at least... I mean, I think it's undeniable that it's, like, sort of almost a partial, like, shirking of responsibility. But at the same time, it does accept some degree of it. Yeah, and I wonder how much of... um, 
that is just maybe due the, to the conventions of the genre. Like, oh, there can only be one cap, you know. And just, like, you have to be Partially. the super villain for, you know, the story to end properly, for the hero to save the day or whatever. Yeah. That pretty much brings us to, um, like, original Secret Empire, right? Like, it's, like, yes. the same era. So, and he's yeah. the one who's read this, so, like, take it away. Yeah, okay, so... Um, it's not originally called out as the Secret Empire originally. It's uh, Captain America is framed slash has public opinion turned against him by what is originally referred to as the Committee <laughs> to Restore America's Principles. Well, which... I'm going to give you a minute to figure out what that acronym stands for. How did I not... <laughs> How did I not notice that... I have no idea, but it's great. Committee to restore America's... I thought it was regain, but you know, same thing. Committee to regain America's... I think it was that, actually. The Committee to Regain America's Principles, which which I never bothered figuring out an abbreviation to in my head, (laughs) um, starts running like these televised ads about how, oh, this Captain America, this person... uh, you know, talking about him being a vigilante and possibly untrustworthy and possibly, like, you know, just getting his powers from chemicals and who knows what they did to his brain and mm-hmm. all that kind of junk. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, two things. A, this act in the comics, this actually really pisses Cap off. 70s Cap gets angry a lot easier than, like, modern Cap does, I think. That's a secret. He's always angry. Stop. <laughs> things sort of escalate from there. First, um, he sort of like gets called out and does this exhibitionist boxing match thing. He gets framed for killing this minor supervillain. There is this other character, Moonstone, who is ultimately inconsequential, who is brought in to sort of publicly replace Captain America and is back and who's backed by the committee to regain America's principles. <laughs> And this sort of escalates to Steve and um, the Falcon with him going on the run. Which I feel like he does a lot. Not as much in the 70s, I think, as he does in modern times. But, like, they go... They actually meet up with the X-Men, funnily enough. A (laughs) a small part of the X-Men, because apparently mutants are big mutants, have been getting kidnapped. And with the help of Professor Xavier and stuff, they are able to track down the secret empire to their secret lair where they're kidnapping mutants and using their brain waves to power some flying saucer thing. What? Seriously? It's the comics. Okay. It was the 70s. Yes, I'm aware. Not everything was well thought out. I can believe that. There were still some interesting elements to this. Like the secret empire had their number one who had this just sinister giant hood with a number one on his forehead. Fashion Mm -hmm. was not their strong suit. To be fair, it wasn't really Steve's either. What ends up happening is they end up getting in this big fight on the White House lawn and stuff. Um, Steve and some of his S.H.I.E.L.D. friends and the remaining X-Men and the Falcon versus Moonstone, who was, again, the superhero poser brought in to replace Cap. (laughs) And various secret empire goons um secret empire the secret empire people plotting to take control of the country and all that they end up you know walloping everybody in the uh, in washington dc the leader of the secret empire who is known only as number one mm-hmm. flees into the white house and cap chases him the call is coming from inside the house 
they have this like brief con- brief confrontation and then cap and then cap like pulls off his hood and he's like oh my god you and the number one is never shown on panel that he's like yes but even a high political office was never enough for me i sought to take over the entire country <laughs> and then it's he- a great evil voice yeah i do what i can And then the guy just shoots himself, and Cap is clearly deeply shaken by this, despite not really knowing who it was. Despite, I mean, despite us never seeing who it was. Mm -hmm. I think it's very heavily implied that it was Richard Nixon. Yeah, because this came out in, like, I think the immediate aftermath of Watergate, pretty much. Yeah, Watergate is actually explicitly referenced as right, part yeah, of yeah, a yeah. Secret Empire plan in the comics, mm-hmm. which sort was of like, exposed. I think it was funny, because like, I think the um, screenshot you sent me said it was, like, you know, unintentionally ended up playing into their plans perfectly, So, which makes me think that, like, Watergate happened, like, almost, like, in the middle of the writing process for these comics, and it ended up just, like, being sort of neatly <laughs> folded in. That would be funny. So then this, you know, implied to be Richard Nixon commit suicide clearly shakes cap's faith in the country very deeply um and this actually leads to an interesting thing where cap uh captain america slash steve rogers gives up being captain america for a little mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. um and actually for a couple of issues he just tries to retire from being a superhero entirely um and then like when he realizes that people his superhero friends are still getting into trouble without him um he decides to take on the mantle of the nomad subtitled as the man without a country right yeah yeah and without any sort of fashion sense but that's beside the point i mean yeah which is what i said earlier he has namor's neckline yeah which basically means like no neckline and no like chest line either it's, it's one of those like plunging shirts that goes he, down to like his waistline he is really showing off his cleavage <laughs> god no kidding you know i would actually and he has, to, i would love to see chris evans in something like that that would be bet. oh that would be a treat he actually has a cape oh god no i showed you this he yeah, has I a know, cape i know it's still funny and though. i'm like edna mode would not approve <laughs> for so many reasons Oh and then God. in his first fight with the Serpent Society, he ends up, or Serpent Squad, I think they called themselves at the time, because they weren't a school back then. Yeah, which is not And in like that cool. fight, he trips over his own cape and ends up <laughs> ripping it off afterwards. Oh my God. Oh my this God. This is why I never used a cape. God. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that was Nomad for a little while. I think we kind of glossed over the important things about it. Is Well, yeah, no. It's but basically like-, like Cap has his trust shaken in America, and he's like, like this country has changed so much in the time that I was frozen in the ice. In at this time, he'd only been frozen in the ice for like twenty years, which seems like way less a big deal than it does now. Mm-hmm. But it's still like this country's changed so much, and this America that is that I'm wearing the flag of now isn't the same country that it was twenty years ago. Blah blah blah. So like that's why he stops being Captain America. Yeah, and I wonder if that isn't sort of like almost the turning point in his character like when he became much more of that you know like you know moral bastion who would be completely willing to go against the government if he thinks the government is wrong i feel like that might be where 
more of that, the, the, the majority of that particular sort of strand of characterization came from. What do you yeah. think about that? I mean, I would have to read a lot more Cap stuff from like before that and from after that to really like draw a conclusion on that. But I think there's definitely like that particular thread of characterization of like Cap as the moral compass who will go against, who will respect authority, but will definitely go against authority if he thinks it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely a, at least the whole nomad plotline is one very important like early instance of that. Yeah, that was that was kind of what I was thinking. That'd be interesting to investigate further. So yeah, we should and definitely then, do that. Yeah, and it's point. also interesting like just when he gets. Because, you know, this was in the 70s and they never even pretended that the status quo was ever going to change. Um, but it's he gets to a, through a few issues um, and he... Comics or psychological? Probably both. And he ends up, like, just readopting the Captain America mantle after... It's actually after a, another character, like, sort of an associate of his, had tried to become Captain America while he was retired and ends up getting murdered by the Red Skull. Oh God! And That's Cap right. is yeah, and then Cap is like, I was wrong to throw away my title and all that, and he's he basically decides like maybe the country is more complicated, but really things were always complicated. Maybe I didn't even see it at maybe I didn't see it back then, and yeah, and is there I some might sort not of be strand of like you know somebody's got to hold this country up to the standards it ostensibly set for itself. It might as well be me. I think that's basically what his line of thought is there okay yeah that makes sense there are parts of this i honestly wish i had remembered better but the (laughs) like it basically seems like the idea is like yeah there is going to have to be a captain america to hold up these ideals even when the country Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily always going to measure up to them i think yeah that makes that makes total sense yeah yeah it's an interesting story i think yeah although there's a lot of like just other just comics in comics involved that is marginally less yeah interesting. like nomads complete lack of neckline that's pretty we ridiculous. covered that yeah but yeah i mean that was the first thing i thought of so but yeah there's also a great moment where like he comes face to face with namor who doesn't realize he's captain america at the time and they end up like just posing um next posing like staring da- staring each other down and they basically have the same freaking outfit. Please tell me one like, of them is like, so one of us is gonna have to change. No, they don't even Damn acknowledge it. how similar they look. Ah, no! Like, Namor has the exact same neckline and exact same color scheme. And oh Namor, my and he god! Just points at him accusingly for unrelated reasons, but it's such a good panel. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, it, looks like it's gonna, it looks like it's gonna be a dance-off. I did send oh. you that. It's so mm. good. Oh my god, that would be amazing. That would have been amazing. They should have done a dance-off. That actually would not have been the most, like, unbelievable thing that happened in comics, I think. Except, like, drawing a dance-off would have been interesting. Anyway, I feel like I'm getting severely off track here. Sorry. So, okay, so yeah, that's most of the retro Cap stuff, I remember. Like, and then Cap existed also in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, no, there was more of, um, I know I read one article by uh, Mike DuBose about Cap in the 80s, and there's more of that, you know, like, questioning whether the U.S. government is actually a force for good and almost being, like, more cynical about that. So, like, I guess Mm. overall, over, like, the period of probably about 40 years we've been talking about by this point, there's this, like, slow shift to where, and I think you're right, I think this is because of, like, the comics code stuff and partly, but violence is 
sort of slowly being portrayed as un-American. Like, I guess the um, Captain mm. America as an avatar of cultural memory, like his sort of image is being shifted to like more of a non-violent image and sort of like expunging that past violence from his history and sort of by extension America's history. I don't know. So like, that's an interesting sort of like macro shift that happens in this time period. That is interesting, yeah. So yeah, there's, okay, there's not much to cap in the 90s really, is there? I mean, who's dating Bernie Rosenthal then, which is interesting. Yeah, I didn't know Cap had like a long-term Jewish girlfriend until I read that J. Richard Stevens book, but yeah, that was a thing. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, the, the next thing, the next like major comics thing that I read was the uh, 2002 right. series. Right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So this skips us ahead in time a little bit, um, but yeah. It started publishing in, like, summer of 2002, um, following up after a different Cap series ended just before. And it's basically, it starts with the immediate, like, 9-11 reaction issue Mm -hmm. with, like, Captain America, like, at Ground Zero, picking through rubble, trying to help people out. While, like, Nick Fury comes by, tries to recruit him for some military thing, and Cap's like, no, I need to be here. Oh, wait, wasn't that, that's really interesting. Wasn't that the screenshots you sent me? Yeah. That's so interesting, though. So, like, this kind of contrasts with um, earlier, you know, superhero incursions into real-world events in the sense that, you know, Cap is, like, literally in history, but not in any sort of, like, you know... He's not a force for the government. He rejects that. He's yeah. just helping. That's really interesting. That, I mean, that's a yeah. really big At contrast. the same time, like... That's different, but it's also like the same thing where in the 40s during those comics, Cap wasn't fighting in World War II, and then like in the 2000s, in those comics, Cap wasn't like fighting a war on terror in Afghanistan or Iraq. You're right. That's interesting. Yeah. So what does end up happening is like the first issue of this is of that series was it's actually like surprisingly mature, I almost want to say, in its like Mm -hmm. approach. Like, in that first issue, in that immediate 9-11 aftermath thing, there's a scene where Cap kind of gives a warning to this young Muslim man who's, like, not in, like, a hostile way, but in, like, a you-might-want-to-get-out-of-get-home-for-your-own-safety uh, sort of thing. Yeah, like a take because care of like then kids, that Yeah, because yeah, then some passing people, like, one guy comes at that guy, that Muslim guy with a knife. Said Muslim guy having mentioned that his he lives on that street and his father was born there guy comes at said muslim guy with a knife and then cap like busts out his shield to defend him in this like and there are several panels where he's framed with like heavenly light coming from behind him and stuff god yeah i remember that one you know immediate post 9-11 captain america was again mature for the time but not above a certain degree of overtness yeah banging you over the head with symbolism yeah but it actually i think it got a lot better about that like Hmm. shortly afterwards um Uh because after that first issue um it cuts to that like seven months after 9-11 thing this several issues story involved a small town in america somewhere um being attacked by some middle eastern radical terrorist guy um, who ends up dropping a bunch of mines on parachutes into the town. And this is on like Sunday morning and he's traps a bunch, he takes a bunch of hostages at a church. And it sort of comes out that he is targeting that town particularly because there's because of the nearby like bomb factory and it's kind of assumed that his particular 
home country, presumably like Afghanistan or Iraq or something. It would have been Afghanistan at the time because that was 2002. Yeah, we hadn't invaded Iraq yet. Yeah, and so it's this whole thing where like he's targeting civilians who are who work at a bomb factory with similar mines and bombs and whatnot. Captain America like goes after them and he's like having flashbacks to when he was in Dresden in World War Two, which was firebombed with huge civilian casualties. Yeah, and the Americans are doing the firebombing. That's the big important note. Kurt Vonnegut wrote a lot about that. He was there. So it's like, you know, Cap's like flashing back between like when Americans caused civilian casualties in World War Two and when modern terrorists are causing are causing civilian casualties and targeting civilians in the modern day. And he's feeling kind of conflicted about that. And then he like takes out the uh, main terrorist leader. He also con- ends up confronting like a few, a handful of, like, child soldiers who mm-hmm. come at him with axes, and the guy, like, taunts him over the, over, the main guy, bad guy, like, taunts him over a comlink thing about, like, how it was, like, American mines or something that ended up taking, like, several limbs from these children, even, because you see that they're, they have, like, cyborg arms and legs and stuff. It's very, it's a very dark, like, sequence, honestly. But it's also kind of like, it kind of shows how this guy is blaming America for a lot of bad things that are happening in his country. And that, you know, like obviously as he's targeting innocent civilians and is like being terrible about it. But also that America is to some extent to blame for some of the things that happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I know I read something on this too. And I, it was probably Jason Dittmer again, but it was like Centerville, the town that was being attacked has historically in Captain America comics, I guess, been used to represent, you know, generic middle America of sorts. So it's really, really interesting that they you know, place this bomb factory just outside Centerville and, like, implicated so many of its citizens. Because that's, you know, that's kind of a really shocking indictment of the whole, like, military-industrial complex, especially coming in a Captain America comic. And not even just... I had no idea it was actually, like, an existing established thing. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, no, and not even just... It's not even, like, necessarily just an indictment of the military industrial complex, either. It's, like, just people in general are complicit. It's kind of shocking, in retrospect, that that sort of message was in, of all things, a Captain America comic immediately in the post-9-11 era. Yeah, there's actually a scene in, in the church where there's, like, this woman who's, like, angry at, presumably, her husband. You were making bombs and stuff. And the husband just replies sheepishly, like components we were making components and it's it almost reads like he's trying to diffuse like responsibility for yeah it kind of deflect yeah that makes sense realistically like you can talk up and down about like whether about like the responsibility of civilians for like arms manufacturing and stuff and i think that's not really necessarily the uh thing that we want to cover here but yeah definitely and then it ends the, that whole this whole sequence ends with Captain America like because there was a reporter who was hostage and was like being used to broadcast their demands and stuff mm-hmm. and once cap like frees everybody the leader of the terrorists ends up dead cap assumes that it was because of him the plot goes in other directions after that that I that I'm not really gonna get into right now but cap goes on camera and bearing in mind like 
at this time, he had a secret identity. People did not know Captain America was Steve Rogers. Publicly. Which I guess is something I didn't realize before you pointed yeah. out. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think after this point that he went public and stayed public, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever got a secret identity back, actually. But I think it's kind of been an on and off thing because the 70s referenced a time where some ridiculous alien villain wiped out people's memories of Captain America's public identity. But that's... Well, I mean, that's just, one way to do that. Yeah, that's just old comic ridiculousness. Hang on. Um, but Flabotanin directly to the head. Yeah, but this modern day, like, unmasking thing, like, he publicly, like, goes to the camera and says, like, Tariq is dead, that he says, like, America didn't kill him, and he takes off his mask and says, I did. Oh. And then he goes, like, in the next issue, because that, that's kind of like the splash page end of issue thing, and he goes yeah, in yeah, about, yeah. like, my name is Steve Rogers, blah, 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 and it basically is just him, like, taking personal responsibility mm-hmm. for like killing this terrorist and presumably other terrorists in the process and specifically deliberately like divorcing that from it being like something to blame America as a country for. That's really interesting. He's yeah. like rejecting being a symbol in that moment because he doesn't want the image of America that he's supposed to represent necessarily to have that sort of violent mark on it. I think it's almost more practical than that. Like yeah. He, but like he was seeing yeah. civilian Americans being targeted for things that people blamed the country America for. And he wanted to make, he wanted to, in whatever way he could, I think, avoid like yeah. America as a country and civilians in particular being targeted because of, of what he, what did. he yeah. specifically did. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense, but I still think like the symbolic interpretation of it is there. So. Yeah. But it's like, he's very much accepting it, but he's accepting it as like something that he individually did and not something that's like, yeah, I guess meant not necessarily something that he's representative of his country and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah. So that's uh, that interesting post 11 sequence. I can talk a little bit about Brubacker's cap run. Yeah, that'd, I, be, that'd be cool. Yeah, because this part did happen before Civil War. Um, oh, oh wait. Because I thought Winter Soldier happened like in the early 2010s, unless you're not talking about the same thing. No, the original Winter Soldier plotline was early 2000s before oh, really? Civil War. Huh, interesting. Because, and I just know that because after Cap dies at the end of Civil War, Bucky Barnes takes over as Captain America for a little while. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that um, makes sense. That's how I'm logically thinking that through. Um, but yeah. mid-2000s, this is kind of an interesting bit because this story doesn't... I don't think it really does much with Captain America as a representative of the country or somebody who is... It's, it's, it feels a lot more like it's about Captain America, the person, about like Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. And not Captain America, like, the icon of America, representative of his ideals, blah, blah, blah. You mentioned Bucky earlier. Like, I'm pretty sure this was the first time that Bucky Barnes actually came back. Okay, so just to clarify, in the, um, what I called the boss battle earlier between... 70s cap and commie smasher cap was bucky not also revived no there was the fake bucky who had been partnered with commie smasher cap okay right that yeah. makes sense yeah that, that actual was... bucky barnes was as far as anyone knew at that time dead right okay that makes sense cool so the whole thing that happened the whole thing that happens if you've seen the winter soldier movie um the setup is pretty similar as far as who the winter soldier is mm-hmm 
he's originally just like he's a really good assassin who has been killing people left and right being like very uh impossible to capture anything like that Mm-hmm. Then um, Captain America confronts him a few times and realizes that he is actually his kid sidekick, Bucky Barnes. It actually kind of expands on... I didn't realize this until just now, but it actually expands on Bucky Barnes's character from the 40s a bit. Really? Because Did they ever address the age gap thing? Cause... I don't think... He, I think it was... They framed, they framed him being a little bit older than uh, he originally was portrayed as, but he was still distinctly younger than Captain America was. Hmm, interesting. Uh, but it ends up being, like, they revealed that Bucky had actually done, like, some pretty rough work in the World War II, like, involving, like, actual, like, spy work and killing Nazis and stuff, to the point that he was almost the person who would do stuff that Captain America himself wouldn't or shouldn't do, almost, mm. either because of his ideals or because of, like, what code. Captain America... Not the comics code. Kidding. What Captain America was considered to... supposed to represent. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. God, that almost makes me think of, like, because... So, like, Bucky Barnes in the 40s is doing the terrible violence that people don't want associated with Captain America, much like, you know, America in the 40s is doing like terrible violent things that people don't necessarily feel comfortable associating with the public image and ideals of America today. And then like through the Cold War, Bucky Barnes is brainwashed assassin for Hydra doing terrible Cold War assassinations and stuff while Captain America is going all, I'm Captain America. Please do that every single time. Kidding. kidding. No. I'm not going to make you do that every single time. And so then it almost feels like a thing with the Cold War where like America is doing the all these secret, deniable, like, subterfuge things. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, the public face of America is more positive and idealized. Huh, that is really interesting. Okay, can I gotta, like, j- briefly jump back to something you said, like, just two seconds ago. So, would you say that the violence of Golden Age Captain America sort of got shoved off onto Bucky in the Winter Soldier storyline, like for the exact purpose of, you know, sort of retconning the original character's like violent streak? I don't like, think, I don't think it. it was necessarily a retcon type of thing for that. At least not for what Captain America did. Like it still shows him being a soldier in World War II at the time. Okay, fair. And like he's still like fighting Nazis and killing them when necessary. Mm, um, yeah. But when it comes down to like the more brutal elements of war, it's almost like Bucky was the person who was more ready to do that thing. Huh. You know, it's interesting. Just a very brief note here. There was a time in like, I don't remember precisely when this was, but there was a time in Captain America history when like Cap was somehow insisting that he never killed anybody. Like they were really determined to just like expunge his history of like all that violence for some reason. It was, it was weird. Anyway. I'm just going to wave my hands and go comics code. Yep. That, I'm sure that was like sort of like the political economic reason behind it but yeah i just think that's really interesting yeah so yeah bucky barnes uh is found and captain america uses a cosmic cube to restore his memories which is not happening in the movie because the mcu doesn't rely on that sort of like hand wavy plot device stuff 
Not in this case. Not, not in this not, case. No, yeah, no, not in this case. <laughs> yeah, so moving right along, Civil War happens, basically. Yeah, and Civil War is probably the example. It's probably the best known example because it's one of the most recent of um, Cap like standing against a government that he doesn't think is like ma- matching up to or living up to like American ideals. Like that's probably what people are gonna think of the most when. So, it's, but it's just like continuing a long-standing pattern is like the thing here because it's not this is not the first time he's done something like this by any stretch of the imagination yeah it's interesting like there's been a lot of like talking about civil war and like things that went right and wrong with it Uh, i i think the biggest one of the biggest things with it was that like captain america was anti-registration originally for reasons he believed that it was the wrong choice and he took a bunch of uh like other heroes who sided with him against S.H.I.E.L.D. and Iron Man and the other heroes Mm -hmm. and the government. Honestly, like, at several points in Civil War in the comics, he is really obnoxiously self-righteous about it. Really? And I think that's... He's not written to be that way. I don't think the writer's intent is to make him self-righteous and obnoxious, but it's like his whole speech about, like, doesn't matter what the press says, doesn't matter what politicians say, if... Yeah, I like that speech. But in context, it's like, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. If you think that you're right, then you need to insist that it goes your way instead. Okay, I can see that. Still, I still like, think it's a good quote, but I see what you're saying. It's a good quote, and it's like, to an extent, inspiring. And I think they adapted it much better in the movie, honestly. Huh, interesting. But... Because in the in the comics, it's a thing he says to Spider Man um, when mm-hmm. Spider Man is like about to switch from being pro registration to anti registration. That that's actually marked as the point where like the pro registration explicitly becomes like the bad guys and anti registration becomes the good guys because Spider Man and Captain America are basically the two primary moral compasses of the Marvel universe at the time. Yeah, that makes sense. And so once they end up on the same side of the issue, it becomes pretty clear that's the right side of the issue. Yeah. Quite honestly yeah, though. So yeah, and then that whole thing goes on for a little while, and then at the end of it, Captain America gives up. Not because he changes his ideals, but because he thinks that the violence and the chaos that's resulting from it is is not worth. That his ideals and stuff are not worth the cost of trying to maintain them, almost. Yeah, like it, it's tearing the country apart, pretty much. Yeah, he's basically like... I still don't agree with the Registration Act, but I'm going to stop finding it and turn myself in because, like, the chaos that's happening is doing more harm than good. Yeah. And then he dies. Yeah. Okay, I almost take exception to when people associate the death of Captain America with Civil War. Really? How so? Because, okay, so when it happens, it's he's being led onto the courthouse steps to stand trial for his, like, all his crimes that he did during Civil War. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, shot by... Well, I'll get into that, but the whole... The people who were after him, who killed him, that was a whole plot by the Red Skull and Dr. Faustus and oh stuff. Oh my god, seriously? And it was basically just a... Just kind of happened to line up with the end of Civil War. Huh. And, like, they hypnotized Sharon Carter to shoot Right, him. I was gonna say, I thought it was, like, brainwashed Agent 13 who ended up shooting him, but I didn't know, like, yeah. the Red Skull and Faustus were behind that. Yeah, because Faustus brainwashed her, the Red Skull was doing his whole thing, and yeah. they end up killing Skull him. king around? That was terrible. I'm sorry. It was. It was awful. 
Hey, at least I didn't say sorry in a really Canadian voice this time. Anyway, yeah. carry on. Yeah, so it's basically just like people associate with Civil War because it happened right at the end of it. Yeah, and like, like that and definitely didn't like, stop the media from treating yeah. them as if and they were like related. The and there's like the whole this whole symbolic thing where where Tony Stark is like talking to Captain America's corpse and all that. Right. Yeah. Oh my God, that part. Which is like I, which I do know. Yeah. It's very emotionally resonant. It also has nothing to do with like Civil War, except for the except for the part where like going into court for Civil War for the Civil War stuff made him an easy target. Hmm. Hmm. That is so interesting. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Nothing I think to do with his like whole American idealized image thing, but yeah, interesting little fun fact there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Yep. And then that's at that point for a little while, uh, Bucky Barnes takes over as Captain America. Mm-hmm. Getting a sweet new outfit. He gets the shield. He, I think he has a gun too at the time. Of course, of course yeah, I was going to say, this is Bucky we're talking about. He has a gun. Yeah. And then, you know, Captain America obviously comes back uh, through comic book ridiculousness, honestly. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. And... I'm trying to come up with some, like, Deus Ex Machina joke, but it's not happening. So, anyway. Yeah. And then there's, like, a few other, like, mildly interesting things that happen going forward. But Yeah. Like... At what point does... um? So, does the Captain America mantle go straight from Bucky to Sam? Or does no. Steve return to Steve being returns Cap? to once Steve comes back, he's pretty much immediately back to being Captain America. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little while where Steve and Bucky are both Captain America for a while, for a little hmm. bit. Um, but then Bucky goes back to being Winter Soldier person, not like brainwashed, but mm-hmm. kind of doing spy stuff while gotcha. Steve becomes Captain America. Like during the whole uh, Hickman's Avengers and all that mm-hmm. period, like in. I think 2015 or so. Oh, really? Or like 2013 or 2014 or so. I, was say, I feel like it would have been earlier than yeah. that. It, there's, several, there's a good number of years where it's kind of the heroic age is where it starts, um, where, you know, Captain America is Captain America. So, I mm-hmm. mean, Steve Rogers is Captain America, and the Falcon and Bucky are also around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, at a later point, like during, it's the same time as Hickman's Avengers Saga, but I haven't actually read the Captain America books at the time. I don't know what actually it, it caused it he gets aged up and becomes super old oh so sort of like that one weird bit in doctor who i don't know i haven't seen any of doctor who but it ends up being like old captain america becomes the director of shield uh while the falcon takes over as captain america oh so steve if not necessarily captain america does sort of become the state at that point that's interesting kind of yeah and then more things happen and then the sentient cost and now we get into the part where that you hate oh my god where the living sentient cosmic cube kobik uh... makes captain america young again and also makes him retroactively a hydra agent uh, i hate that yeah i do not hate it as much as she does. I think there's... Which would be hard to... Well, I, I think a lot of people yeah. hate it as much as I do, but... I think it was it was definitely very badly timed with political events. Oh, God. I don't and... think there's a, a good time for that, though. There are just, like, bad times and worse times. I mean, look, there's times where... There's a comic where Captain America salutes Hitler in the 40s. What? Yeah. Wait, when was that? Did you not? This was, like, back in the Jack Kirby era, like, originally where Captain America gets brainwashed. Wait, what issue number was that, though? Because, like, w- like, Jack and Joe were only responsible for Captain America comics 1 through 10. I don't know, but it was pretty early on where he mm. gets, like, brainwashed. Like, 
I mean, com I think like comic characters getting brainwashed or mind controlled or bamboozled into becoming a bad guy is so common that it's less an issue for me. But yeah, and I can I can understand that. Yeah. Like I can and see where you're coming from. But I but I get why the particularly like the Nazi Association makes you uncomfortable. Oh god, so uncomfortable. Though at the same time, like I think Hydra is divorced enough from the Nazis to in the comics like the mcu is a whole different thing and that even in the mcu honestly i think like hydra Uh, is i mean it's not as divorced in the mcu but it's yeah not nearly and honestly they really marvel really like screwed themselves into a corner by like doing what they did with hydra in the movie specifically yeah i have this whole theory where like they kind of like that was going to be the predominant image of hydra in people's minds because the movies have such like a much wider audience than That's definitely the true. comics. So yeah, but I mean like the press still obviously hears about what goes on in the comics. So like no matter what's gonna happen in the comics, like you people hear about that, but they also like they're it's the MCU version of Hydra is what they're gonna think of when they see Hydra, no matter what context it's in. So yeah, yeah that is my theory about that. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Anyway, I think Yeah, I think there are legitimately interesting things about Captain America as a bad guy. And, like, part of it's, like, the idea of the dark side of nationalism. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like, there's, you know... Which I would say Commie Smasher is a pretty good example of that. Absolutely. Like, Commie Smasher Cap actually has... Actually, we were talking about before, like, Commie Smasher Cap came back at some point during the, uh... During the, actually, the Bucky Barnes as Captain America period. Oh, really? Yeah, where hmm. he was, and he was not happy that Steve Rogers was a different person. I mean, that Captain America was a different person who was not Steve Rogers. Huh. That is interesting, yeah. And that was, you know, he's doing a whole tea party thing at that point. Um, but I'm getting away from myself here. You know, Evil Cap, it's kind of part of it's the dark side of nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's like pursuing power and control as you know as a lot of governments do as well part of it i think is also just the idea that like captain america is an insanely good tactician and leader Mm -hmm. basically that he is almost limited by his moral compass by the lines that he will not normally cross and thus a person who has all of his tactical brilliance but none of his... Like I don't want to even say, like, none of his compassion or moral compass, because there are some ways where even evil Captain America doesn't want to... He's not, he, like, he's not just the Red Skull with the stars and stripes on him. Okay. He's, yeah, and I was seeing that in some of the screenshots yeah. from Secret Empire you were sending. Because he's like, still, the like, to their, a huge, like, terrible person, but, like, part of it's, like... He and he doesn't like pull his punches because of that, but he does. There are what times where he tries to. Uh, it's almost like he just wants to avoid taking responsibility for the like bad things that he ends up causing. Hmm. Like when some when he tries to ki- when he tries to kill uh, who was it like Jack Flag? Yeah, Jack Flag. When he throws him out of the chopper and stuff, mm-hmm. he says even like not to any particular, but he says like that. He deserved that Jack Flag deserved better than that. Yeah, did he say something about how he deserved a funeral or something like that? And that got the Red Skull all like. Oh yeah, that pissed Red the Red Skull off, but Red in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Flag actually. Anyway. Jack Flag actually survived. Yeah, I saw that in that. He's panel on too. like life support for a little while, and then like Cap 
is regretfully about to like give him like some small amount of poison or something to kill him because the red skull is like insisting you we have to kill this guy even though at this point cap is already planning to kill the red skull because he believes the red skull have took over hydra and perverted to his own means but it ends up being like at the same time they take him off of life support and like in secret empire when Las Vegas gets bombed into being a crater. Cap doesn't give the order himself. He just gives another, like, Hydra person, another one of Hydra's leadership figures the authority to give said order. Hmm. So it's like, he's still responsible for all these terrible things, but there's definitely certain points where he feels guilty about it. Huh. To Kinda like some Hobbit extent. couldn't get all he, it's the, like, you know, moral compassness out yeah, of Yeah, because it's... Yeah, it's almost like he's still the same person and he still is committed to I to certain ideals in the same way. But it's just that the ideals he's committed to are just completely different ones. So terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, that makes sense. I can see that. Yeah. There's this scene where he when he kills the red skull, throws him out a window, he's like, I'm loyal to nothing skull except the dream. Yeah. Which like I showed you line yeah, for line. Yeah is something that Cap said, like, way back in, I don't know, like, 40s or 60s or something to some general. I think that, I think it was, must have been the 60s. The art style looked similar to that. So, yeah. Unfortunately, the entirety of Secret Empire is not on Marvel Limited yet, so yeah, I have so he not, can't comment on all of I it I have not yet. finished reading it. Yeah. Which is okay, because, like, we... We, we were kind of talking about doing like a whole separate episode on that stuff and yeah. like the backstory we'll, to it, right? So we'll get yeah, to we that can one we day. can talk about that like in more detail some other time when again when the whole thing is on Marvel Unlimited. So yeah. okay, so so yeah, we've I think we've kind of covered at this point like Captain America's comic history back to front, yeah. but there's other parts I think that we can touch on as well. Um, like we've talked about Marvel Cinematic Universe Captain America from the movies. Yeah, we've, we've like touched up, touched on that some. As like played by Chris Evans. I think mm-hmm. I think he actually is some interesting bits because like most things in the MCU, I think he's basically an adaptation of the core of the character. Um, yeah. And basically like, just being like the... And I would say like, like the post-1970s and OG Secret Empire core of the character because like obviously like we've talked about his like characterization has undergone some really seismic shifts over his entire existence it's like that yeah it's like basically Chris Evans Captain America is done in a way like like the writers and whatnot making Mm -hmm. him understand what people like about Captain America and what works about him Oh, definitely. definitely. And they don't use the stuff that people don't like about him. Yeah. And see, I think see, this could... is why I trust Marcus and McFeely to write Infinity yeah. War. And that goes, I so think, well. that I think goes for a lot of things in the, the MCU, but that's beside the point right now. Yeah. No. And there, there are a lot of interesting things that they uh, almost like changed about. Yeah. This Cap's is something that I said story. about. Him yeah. Yeah. That I was kind of like giving you the opening for that. Yeah. Because Captain America in the movies never as far as I can recall, never actually talks about, like, doing anything that he does for the sake of America, like, the country, or because of, because of, like, patriotism or nationalism. Yeah, I think the closest he gets might be that one, like, little, you know, off-the-cuff inspirational speech in Winter Soldier, but, like, that's never presented as sort of, like, his original, you know, 1940s raison d'etre, or however you pronounce it. I probably butchered that French horribly, but... His reason for yeah. doing his the motivation. I don't know why I felt the need to do the French thing. Yeah. Um, it's like, in, you know, like, 
back before he gets super soldier serum, he's all like, I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies, all that. Like, Yeah, he specifically says, like, I don't care where they're from. That's true, yeah. Like, he gets dressed up as Captain America for propaganda. Yeah, and, exactly. He... And then he, like, maintains that uniform because of the, like, inspirational thing that it kind of represents. I like Phil Coulson's thing in The Avengers where, like, Steve Rogers is like, aren't the Stars and Stripes look old-fashioned? And Coulson's like, with everything that's about to happen, um, I think people might need a little old-fashioned. I forgot about that line. God, it's been so long since I rewatched The Avengers. Yeah, and so like, you know, he's not Captain America because of because he loves America so much. He's Captain America because he wants to help people and save people and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And being Captain America is the easiest, is like the most effective way for him to do that. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's a means to an end for him. Absolutely. But like, at the same time, I would feel, I think yeah. he's and I mean, I don't think aware he, of what he represents. Yeah. I don't think he like, kind of, like has any, I, I don't think he dislikes America or anything. Like mm-hmm. he clearly didn't like being like the propaganda figure. Oh, definitely not. Or at least like he didn't like being the propaganda figure without actually doing anything yeah he was all style and no substance and that really graded on him and like he's still like a almost like a propaganda figure even when he's in the avengers but at that point he's all he's kind of earned it yeah he's he's not like going out doing shows he's going out punching aliens and hydra and stuff and the captain america thing is still like an inspirational thing for people yeah and you know what i read this really interesting um this is actually not an academic article for a change but it was like i i guess some sort of like interview with the costumers for winter soldier and um you know how uh steve's uniform in winter soldier is much more you know subdued just kind of like that really dark navy blue yeah. Um, really, really subtle. Like, it's made for, like, you know, it's field his, ops and yeah, stuff. It's his, like, stealth uniform. He even paints over the red stripes on his shield. Yeah, yeah, the shield is a little duller. But then, um, so when he and his, you know, pals are about to storm shield or whatever, he literally has to go like and, like, steal his old uniform from the Smithsonian. Like, that that yeah. uniform, that same uniform that was such, like, a an old-fashioned symbol or whatever, that precise uniform has like again literally been enshrined in you know american cultural memory smithsonian hello by this point and like but it's it's much brighter colored than the stealth uniform and like the costumer i believe I w- it was either the costumer or one of the russo brothers um somebody like involved with the movie explicitly said you know that was on purpose the you know donning his old uniform is meant to represent a, a return to cap's principles for yeah. the character that's, so, that's really interesting. That's yeah, really cool. Right? And then, you know, he's in uh, the Winter... He's in Age of Ultron oh, and good. the Winter Soul and Civil War. I mm-hmm. like Age of Ultron already. Yeah, I, I I think one of our like future episodes is just going to be us arguing about Age of Ultron because like, we have very different opinions on it. Yeah, um, but I think... Like, we can like, yeah. you can discuss that later. Age of Ultron does not do as much interesting with Cap, but Civil War does. Oh, God, that stresses I, me out so much. I love the Civil War movie. I think it's... It was so much better than I had any right to be. Like, again, this is why I trust Marcus and McFeely to write Infinity War because they, they did so well with Civil yeah, War. Yeah, the thing with Civil War is, like, it makes the main conflict so much less dumb because, like, Captain America is no longer just, like, grandstanding and self-righteous. He's on the run because he thinks he needs to be to save the world from a bunch of evil Winter Soldier brainwashed people. Right, yeah. And... That's why he's running off and stuff. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I would need to like rewatch it 
which I'm gonna have to do at some point. Oh my god, this stresses me out. Um, it's a but good I, movie. I, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't get it. I know. I'm just like, why are all my favorite people fighting? Why can't they just be friends? Because it's related. So cool. I am, but yeah, where, where was I going with this? I really good don't. Good question. I don't know. Okay, I we can like talk about Civil War more and in detail in another episode. I think it was actually one of our yeah. potential episodes. But, but like, I think I do I want to feel just... like it lost sight of the original conflict once you know, like Bucky came back into the picture. I really feel like Cap just kind of like dropped everything to go after Bucky, which is really gay, and I really love it on that level. But also, like, I kind of feel like it, the movie like shifted focus in the middle, and I think it works kind of though because. But it's like Cap and Tony were going to be able to talk things out. Like, mostly Cap and, to an extent, Tony are sensible, competent adults who can talk out their conflicts without being morons about it. In stark contrast to Captain America ha, the Civil Stark War. contrast. <laughs> you're, the, you're the worst. I know. I know. In contrast to the comic Cap and Tony who are during Civil War total dumbasses. But Yeah, I'll take your word for that. But yeah, like they were going to be able to talk it out, this the whole like Sokovia Accord conflict. Mm-hmm. But then like they obviously like Cap is suddenly put under unrelated time pressure. And that is what pushes the uh, whole thing to its breaking point. I mean yeah you know, that because makes sense. Cap would not have let the Avengers come to blows with each other over a law that they don't agree with. Hmm. He would, you know, he would have talked things out. He would have argued. He might have even quit. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if he would have quit, honestly. It's hard to say. He might have, for but, a time. Yeah, but he would Anything not have let it. excuse to do the plunging neckline, anyway. <laughs> but he would not have let it come to a physical fight at all over that. Unless, I can see Unless that, yeah. there was something bigger at stake. Mm-hmm. And in this case, there was... At least he thought there was. That, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, we can talk about that in more detail in some future episode or whatever, but... Yeah, and I also just want to give a uh, brief shout-out to... Not shout-out, because he's terrible. But I also want to briefly mention, like, Captain America in the Ultimate Universe. Oh, God. Yeah, Ultimate Universes in comics. Um, Which the... is different from the Ultimates team, because comics are weird. Yeah, okay. So, the... Ultimate Universe um, started in 2001. Um, it was sort of a modernized reboot, almost, of mm-hmm. uh, various Marvel Comics things to varying degrees of success. One particularly, uh, I think, controversial uh, element of it was the Captain America in the Ultimates, who, which at the time was the Ultimate Universe equivalent of the Avengers. That Captain America was not the moral compass of the universe. Nope. It was all. a neocon. And I mean, honestly, that's like legitimately makes more sense for what somebody who just came out of the 40s would be like. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it kind of, it's kind of a weird twist on the uh, Captain America mythos that he's much more military and much more like of a hard ass and kind of still has those like old... Uh, old-fashioned attitudes, which mm-hmm. often aren't super pleasant in the modern day. No, definitely not. Yeah, I, it's been a long time since I read any of this. But it's also like, he's not just a jerk. Hmm. Like, there's times when he's a jerk, like with the infamous panel where he's like, Surrender? You think this A on my head stands for France? Yeah. Did he seriously say that? Yes, that is... Whoa! He said that in a full-page image wow. of 
Yeah. Oh, dang. Okay. Wow. Oh, it took a moment to process that. Yeah. Ultimate Cap. Definitely a jerk sometimes. But actually, I, um, Ed Brubaker and his cap run, like, kind of responded to that by, like, there was a sequence in the comics where he's taught, where he, six one like, main universe Captain America is flashing back to uh, being in France during World War II and, like, talking about how the French people suffered and resisted the Nazis and stuff. So it was kind Whoa, of, like, kind oh, of explicitly throwing shade on Ultimate Universe oh, Cap. Oh, the but, shade. Oh, my God. That's amazing. But, yeah, like, Ultimate Universe Cap is also kind of... he. There are times when he's a legitimate, not terrible person. You know, like, there's a bit where he mm-hmm. um, tries to stop Miles Morales from becoming Spider-Man um, because OG Ultimate Spider-Man had been killed and Captain America had helped train OG Spider-Man in the Ultimate, OG Ultimate Spider-Man, and Spider-Man had gotten killed in a big old fight and stuff. And did, wait, did that cat feel responsible for it? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And that's okay. why he he tried to get Miles Morales to not become Spider-Man. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's also a scene where he talks down uh, Nuke, who is, Nuke is, Nuke is one of wait. many, like, Captain America knockoff attempts. Wait, hang on. I've seen this panel. Are you telling me that's Ultimate's cap? I'm pretty sure it is. This is something I've just run into occasionally, you, but it's like... Are you sure? I thought that was from... The panel was from, like, 2014. I thought that was Remender. We can look this up later. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I thought it was... I was gonna say, I was like, don't... I didn't think that was... Legitimately like that, talks down, like, Nuke, who was, like, you know, rabid nationalist asshole with a flag tattooed on his face. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, like, Cap has a weird history with, like ultra-patriotic, like, supervillains were, like, ultra-nationalistic supervillains. There was, like, you know, that battle with Commie Smasher, and then there was also, um... Yeah, I mean, that's You can Flag Smasher from the 80s. Like, Flag Smasher's, like, explicitly anti-nationalist. Flag Smasher is so ridiculous. I'm sure he is. I mean, everything in comics is ridiculous, but... Yeah, no, so that's another, like, aspect of, um... That's, well, that's another weird sort of, like, pattern Cap has in terms oh, of, God. like, and patriotism versus nationalism. I feel and, like it's a weird the, station to draw, but yeah. And in the Ultimate Universe, Hydra is a grassroots anarchist terrorist group. That's weird. That is so it's weird. It's so weird. But also, like, what? a very interesting take on... Like having this national, having this grassroots anarchist group as a terrorist organization opposing a much more conservative and authoritarian cap. I mean, that's interesting, but that's also like extremely weird. Yeah. Welcome to comics. Yeah. No and kidding. The Ultimate Universe, especially. Yeah. No kidding. Ugh. All right. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like we've pretty much covered like we've everything. talked about a lot of things. Yeah. I think there's you know we maybe like we have some closing remarks on things. Yeah. Like. I, I don't know. We've never done this before. So, like, you listen to podcasts. What do people normally, like, yeah. close so, off with? Well, I mean, we can talk a little bit about his... his I, was gonna say, I, I don't think we can talk too much about, like, what's in the future for the character, like, in Infinity War, because you haven't seen anything Infinity War related. Yeah. So. This is a whole thing. I, I'm avoiding anything for Infinity War. Yeah, like, literally ever. staying out, because the trailer was in front of The Last Jedi. I literally did not go into the movie theater for The Last Jedi until, like, one of your friends texted you. Yep. Oh, my God. But anyway, but anyway. Like, I admire um, your commitment. I just don't understand it. But. So, yeah, but Cap... But Captain America's like, it's interesting how there's times where he's like in the story as a representative of America 
and there's times where he's in the story as a as like an individual character mm-hmm. doing his thing. Yeah. And there's like a lot of but things like, there's a lot of things we haven't touched on. Yeah, no, his but relationship like, with the Avengers in the comics. Yeah. Would be no. interesting, I mean there's I feel like there's too much cap history to really cover adequately in like one how like Yeah. One yeah. episode of whatever. So I think we can kind of cap off our discussion though. Cap off? Was that intentional? Please tell me that was intentional. Of course it was intentional. Okay, good. Good. But yeah, so it's you know, it's inter- it's interesting like that he's long been sort of representative of and to an extent like an allegory for America and representative of America's ideals and yeah. basically like what people at the time considered to be the best things about America. Yeah, definitely. Well, either like, I think in a lot of ways just kind of dealing with or fighting against the things that people think of as being bad about America. Yeah, like there's this whole idea um, that um, this guy called Bon Benton put forth, um, or like he didn't put it forth, but he applied it to like Cap in Civil War called like redemptive anti-Americanism. And it basically holds that, you know, the principles on which America was founded themselves are, you know, ideologically pure and worth pursuing or whatever, but that they've been corrupted by, you know, people like whoever the heck is in charge of the government or whatever. So I, he talked about it in specifically in the context of like the Cap's like plotline in Civil War, but I really see it a lot throughout his entire history. Like, this idea that criticizing America is what really makes patriotic. Absolutely, and this and that's that's something I w- I wish that the what if comic of what if Captain America had been revived today. I wish that it was just had in the nineteen seventies, correct? What? Which what was published in the nineteen seventies? It was published correct? in the eighties, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah. So um, like just to contextualize that. Yeah, that was the premise of that was the comedy smasher Cap had established this sort of brutal anti-communist regime type of thing in America and Captain America the real cap? yeah you can probably find this like the real cap has this whole big fight with him mm-hmm. and he's and he talks about the whole speech is good and you can find like that the that excerpt of the comic online pretty easily don't pirate though kids it's bad yeah don't do that make sure make sure creators get paid but that's beside the point <laughs> um, but the idea is like he talks, he says, like, you know, I say America is a piece of trash. The flag is a scrap of cloth. Right, yes, that panel. Without its ideals, America is nothing. Yeah. And then God. he goes on talking about how, like, in World War II, we fought to defend America, not because, you know, he talked about, like, how this guy referring to the imposter cap told you that America was great and special and better than other countries but and then he says like but in world war ii we fought for america not because it was great but because it was fragile and we saw how easily those ideals could be like corrupted or destroyed entirely whoa so okay just to like you know clarify this for um people who might be getting confused right now basically commie smasher cap and quote-unquote real cap have duked it out in literally two different universes. These are two completely separate boss battles we're talking about here. Welcome to comics! Yeah, this sequence of it is a what-if comic from the 80s, which are basically just all alternate universe hypothetical Mm -hmm. things. There's also a what-if comic that's like, what if the original Marvel bullpen had become the Fantastic Four? So like, Stan Lee's Mr. Fantastic, I actually possess that comic. It's amazing. I think that's that's a good note to end I feel like, yeah, I feel like it really is. So yeah, we will... um, be back, well, uh, we're recording this in advance, but let's just say, you know, Jeopardy style, like, 
We'll be back next week with, what are we? Right, we're gonna be talking about in-world media outlets and superhero stories and like the effects they mm -hmm. have on like in-world and I guess out-of-world too, perceptions of superheroes. So that should be a fun discussion. Um, Parker, get me those pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, we will catch y'all next time then. That's it for this episode of Yelling About Superheroes. For more yelling, you can follow us on Twitter at yellinabtsupers or check out our website at anchor.fm slash yelling dash about dash superheroes. You can also visit my blog at whitneythompson.wordpress.com where we post our reading lists for each episode. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and we'll love it if you leave us a review as well. Our theme music was composed by Rodrigo Vicente and you can listen to more of his work at hooksounds.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.